Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. We have our final week of the Make It Count message series. And if you are, are someone who is here for the first time, uh, you've, you've missed a great series. You can see it online. Go to our website at crosswalkphoenix.com and you can see the whole thing. But today is, is a good wrap-up of everything that we have learned so far. And as we look at this idea of making it count and, and looking at a life where you make a difference, the best part of this message today is it doesn't matter if you feel like you have wasted your entire life up to this point and, and that you feel like you're, you have a life that, that you, you've wasted, you haven't made a count because today's a new day. And, and today's a day when you can start. I think specifically with this Make Account series, and, and one of the advantages that Crosswalk has with Pastor Jeff and myself as pastors is you, you might have heard Pastor Jeff's story. He did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, he, as a matter of fact, he grew up as an unbeliever. I, on the other hand, did have the privilege of growing up in a Christian household. That, that there's not a day that I can remember when I didn't know who Jesus was. And the reason why I bring that up today is when we approach this from different perspectives, there are in here today people who have come from a whole different background. All of us are, are a little bit different, a little bit unique, somewhere maybe in between the way I grew up and the way Jeff grew up. And as we, we look at the message today, keep moving forward, the good news is it, it doesn't matter where you start. It really doesn't matter at all because the encouragement is always to, to keep moving forward, no matter who you are, no, no matter what your life has been up to this point. But specifically, I, 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 we need to have this message because for some reason, what I have known as a discipleship pastor, that people tend to come to a, a knowledge of Jesus, maybe a faith in Jesus, I don't know exactly how you want to say it, and, and they move forward, and, and it seems there's a place where people stop, that their, their relationship with God kind of stalls, and, and there's a stagnation, and it, and it gets maybe a, a little boring and, and old. And as I thought about that, I, I thought about my own situation and, and to think about, is it hard for me to keep moving forward? And so what I did is I went back at my life and, and I looked at my life, and I'm not saying this, I want to make it clear that, that I'm not bragging or anything like that about my background, but I realized that I have been given a huge gift. And, and, and so this is, as I went back and I thought about my life growing up, by the time I was in eighth grade, I had already been to 1,600 Bible lessons that were taught to me. 1,600. By the time I was in eighth grade, I had gone to church 700 times on Sunday morning. I never missed. That, that my parents made sure I was there every Sunday. When I was in seventh and eighth grade, I had an in-depth study of the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, 
the Apostles' Creed, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and forgiveness. Not only that I, that I was taught these things, but memorized over 500 Bible passages and also different portions of Scripture that explained exactly what these foundational truths of the Christian faith were. So that probably when I graduated from eighth grade, that I probably at that time was in the top 10% of people who know anything about the Bible. I, I had already been in a part where I knew so much, and I hadn't even started my training as a pastor yet. So I went away for ninth grade, I went away to school, and I went to a, a prep school that prepared you to get ready to be a pastor. And, and during that time period, between ninth grade and, and seminary, I figured that I have gone to chapel, and chapel's like a mini sermon or a mini church service, maybe about 20 minutes long, that I've gone to about 4,800 chapels in my life during that time period. During that time period, also at least 3,600 religion classes. That's crazy when you think about it. During that time, I studied seven years of Greek, five years of Hebrew, translated the entire New Testament from Greek to English twice, and most of the Old Testament as well. And so by the time I got to be a pastor, and I, and I was get, looking towards graduation, I, I remember thinking, I can't wait for this to stop. This is like so much work that, that people look at that and say, how in the world could you do that to be a pastor? So, so you go through and you get your bachelor's degree, and then you go in and get your master's degree, and then you're ready to just stop learning. And then I went into my first year of ministry. And after the first year of ministry, my thought was, they let me graduate way too soon. There is so much more that I needed. And, and, and this is why, is that I realized, first of all, I, I, I want to make it clear, this whole thing is about me really being thankful that the investment of so many people made in me uh, to, to prepare me to, be, to become a pastor, that I am very thankful for that. But one of the things I noticed is that I went to school for 10 years before I really did anything. And what happened is they just kept feeding me, feeding me God's word, knowledge, 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 facts, un unbelievable, history, all of these different things. And I realized as I look back at that, that one of the things I would have changed in my education is I probably would have given myself opportunity to do more. That, that maybe after learning you should be doing and maybe putting into practice what you've already learned. And I think they're starting to change that. As I look at my son and, and what he is doing, he's preparing to be a pastor, and, and the times that he's been able to put into practice what he has learned. But what I realized is that in my life, I had, I had been following God and his word, but in my ministry, what happened is there was an intersection between God's word and the lives of all of the people that I ran into. And it's that intersection 
where, where so much learning happens and so much doing happens and, and so many questions, so many questions that I didn't even know I had, so many questions that people came to me with, questions they had from God and his word. And I have to believe that you know what I'm talking about because that's where you live. That's where you live in your daily life, that, that you're going forward. You understand what it is to keep moving forward, that, that with every job you have, you have to keep learning. My son is working in HR right now. He's like, Dad, there are so many laws and so many rules and human resources that it's just, and there's new ones every year. It's like, I don't know how I, I catch up. I just have to continually read and learn. If you're a mechanic, when you look at how vehicles have changed over the years, a lot of the principles are the same, but how they work are different. New models coming out every year. Or if you work with a computer, for goodness sakes, look at the last 10 years and all of the different changes, and after you have a computer for two, three years, it becomes obsolete. You understand in your life this concept of, of continuing to, to move forward and, and that there's a learning that must continue to happen. But for some reason, in the church, when people come to know Jesus as their Savior, they're, they're, they don't necessarily ever reach that crossroads of God's word and their life. What happens is they kind of maybe take parallel paths. And this is my church life, and this is what I know about God and then there's my other life, which is what I do. And in this message, that the make account, if you do not live at that intersection, if there is not an intersection of your life and, and God's word, you are just going to have a bunch of facts in your head and a bunch of misery in your life. And so where we go is we're going to Philippians chapter 3. And one of the reasons why I chose this and had the introduction I did is because the Apostle Paul grew up like I did. He grew up in, in knowing God's word. He was immersed in the Old Testament specifically. He, he was Jewish, but he would have been at synagogue all of the time. He would have been at the temple all of the time. He became a Pharisee. He was like the, the Navy SEALs of religious training. And so he grew up that way, and, and it was all of this knowledge, but it was a knowledge apart from God's saving love. And he never knew God as a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of forgiveness, and he never made that connection between God's, God's law and, and his word and, and his life until he came to faith in Jesus. And what we have in front of us is you're going to notice a restlessness in, in Paul, that, that, that this desire to keep moving forward, to keep knowing more, and, and to enjoy the relationship he has with his God. And I, I hope this is something that as we go through is contagious as we look at this message and will help you if you're someone who has stalled in your relationship or, or just feels like it, it's not being as fulfilling as it should be. We read from Philippians chapter 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. These next words, the life of a Christian right here. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider, consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is now Paul. He's gone through this. He's gone through this life of, of being religious, of being part of the church his whole life, and, and the frustration that he felt as a result of it. And now that he had come to know Jesus as his Savior, that relationship began to change. And he began to have a view and an understanding of God that he had never had before, even though he had the Old Testament, that, that he never truly had a, a, the right picture of who God was. And so in the blank, you can write, make account, first of all, means I need to learn to use a totally different currency. Totally different currency. And, and, and when I'm talking about different currency, I'm not talking about going down into Mexico and exchanging your dollars for pesos and, and that both of them are, are kind of worth something. It just happens to matter where you're at. But instead, what I want you thinking about is exchanging monopoly money for real money. I want you to think about having a value system that changes, that things that used to be really important to me are no longer important to me. And just so we're clear, and this message is, this message is a little bit different. This is not Paul speaking as an unbeliever or someone who, who doesn't know who God is, who's saying, yeah, I used to value things like money and my car and, and possessions and, and my positions of power. All of the, those things used to be really important to me, but now they're not important because I know Jesus. No, he's not saying that. What he's talking about is inside the church. People who grow up inside the church who have things that they value so much that really aren't part of a relationship with God. I wrote a couple of them down. And, and, and these are ones, man, I can relate to this. And, and if you are someone who has grown up in the church, maybe you can too. And that is the first one that he thinks, one of the first things he valued was position. And, and in any church that you go to, there are different positions. And these different positions, you, you go and, and you quote unquote, work your way up. I don't know if any of you are, you know, grew up Catholic or anything like that. 
But I'm assuming you know, I, I didn't grow up in the Catholic Church, but I know there's priests, and then I know there's bishops, and I know there's cardinals, and then after that, you get to the Pope, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying that to be critical necessarily of the Catholic Church. What I'm saying is every church, I don't care what denomination, I don't care if you're a non-denominational church, everybody has their terminology for how you work your way up in position. And what can happen is individuals inside the church look at those positions and think, you know what, I aspire to be that. And and that becomes the goal. It's independent of your relationship with God. Now these are aspirations for what you want to do with your life. And and Paul is saying, I used to value that so much. I wanted to be seen as the number one. I wanted to be seen as this Pharisee and and the best of the Pharisees and the most zealous so that people would look at me and say, that's what I want to be. He's the boss. He's the one who's in charge. Another one that happens inside the church is opinion. That, that we value people who go to church all the time care about what other people think about them. And, and so, and this was the way I grew up. I grew up in this, the, the white frame church that was 100 years old and really hard old pews, wood floor, anybody drops change, which they always did like during the middle of the sermon, you could hear it. It was just... That's the way I grew up. And because of that, I also grew up with people looking at other people. Did you see what he was wearing today? It, it would have it killed my mother. It would have killed my mother if I would have worn jeans ever to church when I was a kid. It would have been like, what are you doing? What, and, and these words, I remember these words. What do you think people are going to say about us? And it just used to be like, I don't care what people say about us. But, but I'm telling you, that's the way I can relate to it. And definitely Paul could, and that's what he's talking about here. And he used to value that. And the final one I have, achievement. Your stats, your numbers. And, and, and I think about that too. And, and sometimes people, in a, they don't even mean it that way. But if we have a call, like Phil had a call to another Another church actually was to a school where he would have taught, one of our staff minister who does our youth ministry. And one of the questions that people asked me was this, would it be a promotion for him? Would it be an upward move? Uh, if another church offered me a better position, would I take it? And I'm telling you, under, I don't think necessarily people always mean it quite that way, but if you don't think that affects us, it, I mean, it does. I'm just telling you, it does. It does. And, and what Paul is saying is, you need to free yourself from this, and, and the word he actually used here is not garbage, it's crap. It, it's horse manure, is what he says. Which I fully appreciate, because in the parade, we were behind the horses yesterday. <laughs> Again. Anyways. And, and that's what, in the same way where you would look at, it's now something to be walked around. It's, it's, it's time for someone else to, to sweep up and toss out. And as you look at this, as you're moving forward in your relationship, it, it's not caring about that, but it's valuing God in your relationship with him. We continue. Or in the blank, different currency. Next one. 
Uh, Philippians 3, verses 8 and 9. I consider them garbage. There's the word. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, not worrying about the position, opinion, achievements of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want people, when they look at me, not to see me and talk about me. I I want them to look at Jesus. In the blank, you can write, I need to leave behind being self-righteous and embrace being Christ-righteous. And I'm just telling you, just so we get this out, you all have self-righteous tendencies, every single one of you. Just, I'm, that's just the way it is. It's the way we're born. It's part of the sinful nature, and it's part of human nature that we like to talk about our achievements as a reason why we deserve what we get. Sometimes the question that's asked that, that will expose this is the question this. If you were to stand before God and, and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And the answers that I, that I hear most of the time, some people honestly say, I don't think you should let me in, God. I've sinned. I don't deserve it. You know, God. You see right through me. And, and all these positions, opinions, achievements I've had, the way that I try to have others see me, you see through that, Lord. But others do like to talk about themselves. You know, I try to love you, and I try to love other people. I treat other people the way that I like to be treated. And I'm not saying those are necessarily bad things, but they are self-righteous things. They are ways where you are saying, God, why, why should you let me into heaven? Well, look at me. Look at the things that I've done. I, do, I try to do more good than bad, and, and, and I think I'm working pretty hard. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that's the way he used to think, but you need to understand that's garbage. And, and that's what God understands and, and God sees as well. It's garbage if you think that is going to justify you in his eyes. But instead, he offers a different way. So that when God says, why should I accept you? That instead of talking about myself, I talk about Jesus. I talk about my Savior. Why? Let me talk about Jesus. Let me talk about his perfect life and, and, and just start with who he is as true God and true man. Living without sin. Being the only one who is truly righteous. And why he went to the cross. And, and at the cross, he made that exchange. He gave me his righteousness. And he took my sin. And so what happened on the cross is what I deserve. If I'm going to go and try to be self-righteous, that's where I'm going to end up. Punishment, pain, separation from God, separation from others. But Paul had learned now this Christ righteousness, being found in Christ and being forgiven. That's a game changer. And as you think about keep moving forward, this, my friends, is the starting point. This is where you must start, and it's where Paul starts really in this message as well. It starts with my relationship with God through Jesus, and now it permeates my life. We continue. And this is Paul speaking. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. These words are really confusing because Paul 
who's writing a book of the Bible, says, I want to know Christ. And, and you're saying, well, you already knew, knew Christ, and you obviously know that he lived and he died and he rose again. Uh, so what is he saying exactly? In the blank, you can write, none of us have arrived in our life of faith. So I will keep moving forward in my understanding of Jesus. Maybe the way that I would describe it best is in my marriage. Next July, 25 years uh, that, that Tanya and I will be married. And I knew her 25 years ago, right? And so it was great for, we didn't really date that long. We... We got engaged four months after we started dating, and then we're married six months later. And then I, it was great, because I go, that's good, check. Now I don't have to worry about that anymore. And uh, got someone to do some cleaning, some cooking. And if you believe that. Uh, no, but, but what happened is this, is I knew Tanya when we got married and I still don't know her today. I, no, I do know her today. But I continue to know her more every day. And that's the nature of a relationship, isn't it? That, that when you look at how that relationship grows, it, it grows by, by being together, by, by talking, by listening communication going back and forth. And that's how that relationship just continues to build and build and build. And really, there's no end. So that when I look at my parents who are going to be married 60 years, that they also continue to grow in their relationship and their understanding of one another. And if that is true about a marriage, how much more with your relationship with God? And maybe that's where we, we, we fall into this trap is that we think this whole thing with God is just kind of how I go to heaven. And once I know that, Jesus, you know, the Christmas thing, the Easter thing, that, that it's kind of, I, I check the box. I know that. I don't need to know anymore. But notice what he says again. I want to know the power of his resurrection. You, and you know where you know, figure out the power of his resurrection? At the intersection of your life and the word of God. Go into a funeral home. Spend time in hospice. Watch individuals go through the process of death and then watch a lifeless body in front of you. And every time it happens, it's, I don't even know what word I would use. It, it affects me. But every time after that, I have opportunity to go to the promises of the resurrection of Christ and the power that he had to rise from the dead. And so as I have grown over the years, my understanding of God's word has grown and the application to my life and, and, and the, the, the balm of the gospel on my heart as I've mourned people that I love and I care about, it changes the way that I look at the resurrection and what exactly Jesus did. I'm starting to get to an age where I'm still young, I think, relatively. But there's people my age who die. There's, there just are. 
And I think about it specifically, my parents who are in their 80s, I don't know how many more years they have ahead of them. But I do know that I'm following in the same path that they are. I don't know how many years, God. And, and so all of a sudden when I think about Christ's resurrection, Christ's death and his resurrection, I, I think also one day of my own. The fellowship of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. I'm just going to tell you as a pastor, you, there are people who don't know me who hate me. And they hate me because of what I believe about what God's word says. And they're going to hate you too. And when that happens, it, 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 there's many times it really bothers me. But then when I think about Christ, that's the way he was treated as well. So, so when I look at someone who is misunderstood, someone who is mistreated, someone who was, who was hated by people who didn't know them, that I begin to understand who Christ was for me a little bit more. That's what Paul's talking about, that this is not knowledge, this is not textbook, that's living in that intersection, and it's living where Christ lived. And that's why he came to this world to be one of us, so that we know he can truly relate to where we're coming from. We turn the page. So now, how do I keep moving forward? He says, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In the blank, you can write, to keep moving forward, I need to know my next step. I need to know my next step. You need to know your next step. I don't care if you are someone who has gone through and is a pastor right now, I have not arrived, okay? I need to continue to grow. And my next step specifically that I'm going to be taking is on March 8th and 9th to go to a conference in San Diego to help me understand how I can be a better growth group pastor, to, to help me as a discipleship pastor and, and to see how I can better serve you in that way. That's my next step that I'm going through. Sometimes when we say this from stage, I don't know if you roll your eyes and you're like, whatever. I've heard that next step thing so many times, it's like, stop already. Until I talk to people who are taking them. And, and I, just this past week, as an example, one guy telling me, yeah, I, I want to take the 201 class next because I want to be a growth group leader. And I know that's the, if, because I want to be a growth group leader, that's what I'm going to need to do. Talk to another lady who, who was, uh, who her next step is she wants to serve God with the adoptive foster ministry. And, and so she's going through this CASA training so that she can be a, someone who helps with that. And, the, and she knows that's what she's doing. She's gone through the fingerprinting. She's going through a background check and everything like that. She knows what the next step is. And for you, what is your next step? Is it, is it something that you need to learn about God? that you need to grow in your knowledge? Or is it now time to act? Is it something that you need to do? Only you have the answer to that. And if you are really someone who is just getting started today, hashtag church, take a half an hour, 10.15 to about 10, uh, 10.45, 11 o'clock, right around in that time period, they'll help you consider your options for the next step. The next one, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. In the blank, you can write, to keep moving forward means I need to clear a path. 
So I'm going, I'm going to, to take steps, but if I'm, I'm heading in a direction where I'm going to run into something, I need to move it out of my way. And I don't know what you need to move. Perhaps it's busyness. For, perhaps it's things out of your schedule. Perhaps it's sinful behavior. Perhaps it is something like guilt or anger or greed or, or something like that. But whatever it is, whatever is keeping you from learning or growing, to identify it and remove it. The next one. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It's this whole idea. You can see it's like Paul is running a race. He uses that illustration. And to ask yourself, where's the finish line? And for Paul, the finish line was very clear. The finish line was heaven. In the blank, you can write, to keep moving forward, I need a clear goal. In the first part of this lesson, he shares a call to faith. And the call to faith is is when God assures you of his love. That he says, you can, can trust me. That my son has taken away your sin and you can bet your eternal life on that. Look at my track record. Listen to my promises. These are promises from God to you. That's a call to faith. And in the second part, when he says that that as I press on, that I keep moving forward, that is a call to action, to do something, to take what God has given me and put it into action and continue to, to keep moving forward. And finally, Philippians 3, 15 and 16. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only live up to what you have already attained. And that is Paul's way of saying to each individual, no matter where you are, no matter where you are in your understanding of of Jesus and God and who he is, if you feel like you have a, a very long path to walk, or if you have, are someone who, who, who can, continues in, in a life of faith and, and has Christ as a part of your life, it really doesn't make any difference. Because where you are and what you know, live up to it. Don't just have it in here. Don't just have a, a knowledge that is going on this path of God and, and this my life and they remain separated. But he's telling those two paths need to cross. And they need to intersect and live in that intersection of your life and God's word and live up to what you know and then continue to learn. In the blank, you can write, as long as I continue to learn and do, as long as I continue to learn and do, God will work through me to make my life count. Last night, I, I was in a, a, a meeting with a bunch of guys, and, and one of the things that we were talking about was whether or not my life as I'm living, that I'm living up to everything God wants me to do. Does God ever look at me and say, 
wow, you're very disappointing. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, you could be doing so much more. I'm just very much let down by you. And, and we talked about it, and, and a number of people just kind of having this, this uneasiness, this uh, lack of certainty if they should be doing something different or something more. And really, that's what this Make It Count series has been all about. And, and where we go from here, where you go from here, that if you feel like you are going in circles, that if you feel like your life of faith has stalled, that don't necessarily be thinking of some crazy, uh, big, audacious goal necessarily as something, well, if I go do that, then, then I'll finally be living a, a, a life where that counts. But it really starts much smaller than that. And it starts with taking hold of that notice for which Christ has taken hold of you. That, that, that picture where Christ grabs us and he, and he pulls us forward and, and he pulls us up. That's what learning and doing is. The learning part is not just knowing more, but it's knowing what Christ has done for you. It's not necessarily knowing a promise, but understanding a promise in such a way that you understand that, that Christ has done it for you. That the love of God, the care of God, the sacrifice of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, whatever it is, whatever you see in the word of God, that you understand that it's not just something to be known, but it's something to be lived. To live with confidence and certainty and peace with a God who is your father and loves you so much that you already have a life in him that counts more than you know. And then as you learn and do and learn and do, he will guide you, he will direct you, and he is the one who will make your life count. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the gift that you have given in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And like Paul, we ask you not for self-righteousness, but for Christ-righteousness. Help us always to see ourselves through that lens of Jesus and what he's done for us. And Lord, now as we go through our life, help us to continue to learn and do. Help us to think about the next steps that you would have us take. Help us to think about the things that we need to, to move out of our lives, to have the room uh, to, to serve you. Help us always keep our eyes on, on the heavenly goal and help us to see that through Christ, it is something we already have. It's a promise we have of eternal life with you. And now, Lord, send your Holy Spirit to be with us and guide us and direct us in our lives. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. During this week, probably the most useful thing going through this message that, that it kind of sunk in was that with God, it's not just things that I know, but it's a relationship I have. And just like any other relationship, whether it's with my wife or my kids or whoever it is, relationships need to be fed. They just do. 
or they, they die. They shrivel and they die. And, and so as we look at this with our relationship with God, with your relationship with God, keep moving forward. Live in that intersection of God's word in your life and, and experience the blessings he gives. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.